Maddie and Patty, coast to coast. From Brooklyn, I'm Pat McMenamin. And in San Francisco, it's Matt Youngner. Maddie, say hello. Hey, Patty, deep in the heart of the enemy over here. Oh, yes. Yes, you are. Deep, deep in the heart of San Francisco, Oakland, Golden State country. Welcome to a very special NBA Finals preview edition of the Maddie and Patty Cavs podcast. That, of course, was uh, Whiplash, composed by Hank Levy and made popular by the excellent film of the same name, in which a young drummer who wants to be great is pushed past his breaking point by a sadistic, abusive, merciless man drumming until his fingers bleed. Uh, it struck me as an appropriate note, Matt, to start uh, these finals, encapsulating kind of precisely what the Cavs face and what they're going to have to do if they want to do the impossible. Um, but it's also what Kyrie Irving uh, started writing on his shoes during the playoffs, Whiplash. Ooh, yeah, that's uh, right. As revealed, as revealed in yet another excellent column by ESPN's Dave McMenamin. No relation. McMenamins are just awesome people. Uh, because he takes his inspiration, pushing through the pain he's got, pushing through what he, you know, what he thinks is possible in order to achieve greatness. Uh, the, the, the quote he got from David Menon was, it's just about the drive to be great. It's awesome. Uh, the Cavs are going to need that from Kyrie because he could be the key to this series. And I think that's going to come out in much of our podcast tonight. Uh, not just what he can do on offense, obviously, with a busted right foot and a gimpy left knee, but whether he can even just hang with Curry, whether he can be average on D. That matchup alone, I think, could hold the fate of the Cavs. Uh, by way of introduction, before we get any further, we, uh, Maddie and Patty, are a pair of unapologetic Cleveland fans, born and raised, uh, who spend far too much time following the Cavs. So we are homers, yes, but we are homers with brains and hearts, which is why we must always begin with the kill list. Mm. Now, Maddie, for listeners who are tuning in for the first time and wondering why we have established a kill list and uh, are ready to tune out, can you just explain what the hell that's all about? Absolutely. There are times in any fan's life, especially in the heat of the playoffs, when watching an opponent and you feel growing within yourself based on that opponent's behavior on the court, style of play, perhaps just how dirty dirty they are with their play, that you realize that in a world of no consequences, you would murder them. <laughs> I, I know I laugh every time you say that. <laughs> but but uh, it's sad, but true. But it's well, very I, I, true. I wouldn't say it's, I, I wouldn't say it's sad, but it is no, true. It is true that, that, you, that you... It's a fact of life. Yeah, it's, not, it's, it's neither sad nor happy nor good nor bad. It is just a thing. Yes, it's a thing that a person feels watching uh, playoff games when you get too involved. Um, so, who's at the top of your list, Matt, going into the Golden State series? And the Golden State, by all uh, uh, measures, uh, uh, certainly in the, in the uh, national media, is a, is a beloved team. It's it's the it's the team everyone's uh, pulling for. Uh, so they must be a pretty likable team, right? So so yeah. are, they mean, as, are, are they as likable as Atlanta? Atlanta, we, we could uh, just to be clear. The Bulls, we found five guys that would be on our kill list. Easily. Easily. Uh, uh, Atlanta, though, we couldn't find anyone that could crack the list. Uh, what about Golden State? So I, have, I, am, I do live in San Francisco. I've been following this team closely all year. And they are, in my opinion, very likable. It is a really fun team. We'll talk about how good they are in a minute. Yeah. But a bunch of likable guys. I think there are – you and I agreed on this. I think there are two lead candidates mm -hmm. for the kill list. Those are uh, Mr. Green and Bogut. Mm. 
Um, I think I will talk first about Bogut because I actually think he's the one that's going to do it if one of them does. Um, I think you might be right. He uh, dirty is probably not quite the right word because I don't think he does stuff that would really that would hurt somebody. He's not he's not Mike Dunleavy Jr. out there, but he does a lot of illegal stuff under in the scrum under the basket. He is very very crafty and good at hiding it. So get used to a lot of this in this series are big guys going to get rebounds and finding themselves with their arms locked by Mr. Bogut mm -hmm. in the paint. It's like a good offensive lineman that knows how to hide his holding. He does a lot, a lot of that kind of stuff. And you saw Dwight Howard freak out at him a little bit and lash out in that last series. Yep. Um, our guys are pretty even-tempered besides I mean, the occasional Mozgov eruption, but you are going to see it, and it's going to make you mad. Yeah, you know, to go back to that uh, Dwight Howard thing, I think I saw that replay about six times before I caught what Bogut did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I watched that several times, and then I was like, oh, oh, shit. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, like, that's, that's how subtle it is in the, in the, in the course of real action. They're not going to see that if you can't see it in the first two or three times on replay. Or maybe I'm just no, he's, dense. He's but super sneaky, and the first time somebody on our team gets a technical called on them for lashing back out at him, it's going to make me and you very angry. I oh think. God! Uh, and, and and speaking of of crafty um, uh, uh, Australians to get under your skin, uh, I mean, is he Delhi esque or is he is he another level? Uh, is he a different breed? No, different breed. I think this is a this is the crafty veteran, right? Delhi is a is a hustler, and he gets people yeah. mad from trying too hard. Yeah. Uh, Bogut, not that he's lazy or anything, but Bogut really does things that are illegal. He's just very, very good at hiding them. And when mm -hmm. they come out on replay, and when they start to frustrate our guys, I think that's going to make us uh, very, very mad. Right. Um, so the other guy, uh, Dre Green, obviously, you know, he's the heart and soul of the of the Golden State Warriors as much as you can when, when you got a guy like uh, Steph Curry on your team. But, you know, he's sort of like the emotional core of the of the Warriors in, in a similar way that, um, you know, Jakeem Noah was the, you know, emotional core of the, yeah. of the Bulls. He's the guy that'll talk. He's the guy that'll yeah. get in people's faces. He's done that throughout the year. People out here love him for that, and I understand why. Yeah, uh, I probably yeah, would I, too. He was my for sure. I appreciated the the cool story, Glenn uh, T-shirts and and a front he he pulled on Doc Rivers as much as anybody. Uh, <laughs> but in the heat of a series, that kind of talking will will rile the blood. Oh, it will it will drive me crazy. But but yeah, I think our, our friend Dave Deming was saying like you know it's like Draymond Green would would, would on most anyone's list be on most anyone's kill list uh if you're not a golden state fan uh except for the fact that he's just so entertaining uh and i mean the thing that i remember is before the season began uh there was this tweet that he sent out um first actually he retweeted it It was a dweeby kid who tweeted this picture of him uh standing in front of draymond green who and dre green was uh, autographing his basketball but the dweeby kid texts uh, uh i was telling draymond green he's gonna get ran by my lakers this year uh, you know, but just that alone was pretty funny. Just seeing how lame this kid looks standing there, saying that he's gonna get ran by my Lakers. I mean, there's a lot of things to unpack there. But anyway, he didn't even tag Green, but somehow Green saw the tweet and simply repeat, simply retweeted, "You didn't say that." <laughs> <laughs> like the league, like lost its shit. Like he got he got retweets and replies from like half like other players, like Jared Sollinger and Trey Burke, and he just replied to them saying it had to be addressed. 
<laughs> just he found out some dweeby kid who tried to tweet a little taunt at him. He caught it and called it out. Like that that's his MO. Like, you know, he's gonna talk and he's not gonna let you talk without being without, without having a a chance to have the last word. No, I, I find him very likable personally. I think he I admire what he's done in the league. He's a big ten guy. Um, there's a lot to like about him. He will make us angry at some point in this series, oh, okay. is my prediction. Guaranteed. Um, uh, so that's that's the last nice things we're gonna say. Those last the nice things we're gonna say about Draymond Green. So uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't think there's anybody else on the team that's got. Steph might do some uh, flopping on three point shots. We talked about that in an earlier podcast. That'll make I, well, us no, a little I think mad. I think we talked about it off the podcast. I was just going to say, I, mean, I, I think there's, there's some, there's some bottom-of-the-barrel guys here who I don't think will come close to making on the kill list, but they're going to piss us off big time. Curry is a guy with the hardness shot flopping. I mean, it, this gets into my superstar. I mean, I mean there's a the thing. We, we, we saw it the other night. He did this shot. Like, somebody grazed him, and he just yanked his hand back like he d- touched a hot iron. It just ah, drives me crazy. Now, you know, of course, I'll defend Kyrie, who will turn around a screen and pull up short to take a jump shot. But to me, that's the same thing as, as – that's a pump fake guy getting up in the air and then jumping into him. Everyone Correct. knows that's, that's legit. Just like – I mean, I, Kyrie did a couple of times against the Celtics who were grabbing his jersey around screen. So what he did was he curl around the screen, and knowing the guy was running as hard as he could to catch up to him, just immediately pull up. And knowing the guy would run into his legs and get a free two, right. two, two shots. That was super smart. But Curry does the thing where a guy doesn't even follow him, but he knows it's close enough that he'll just yank his arm around. It's it's you know what it is it's Reggie Miller esque. Reggie Miller's on our kill list. So no, there's uh, a difference. There's a difference between tricking the defender and tricking the referee. Yeah, I, exactly. Tricking uh, the and, defender is fine. That's part of the game. Mm-hmm. Tricking the referee, while Reggie and compatriots will defend it sometime on the air, it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my pet peeves about like the whole flopping uh, uh, debate that we hear about is uh, I don't hear enough talk about the verbal flop. Uh, Paul Pierce perfected it. A guy, a guy will r- drive through the lane. No one will actually touch him, and he knows it. But as he's going for the shot, he's just expecting it. So he starts going, ah, like he got hit. He'll, he'll do the verbal flop of like, I, look, I just got, I got hit real hard. And, and I mean, Pierce got called all the time from that. And no one talks about that. I think that's equally bullshit as any kind of, like, actual charging flop. It's obnoxious. Uh, I just hope people see through that one a little bit. It's a yeah, little more transparent. Yeah, and Draymond Green gets away with it because he does that ev- on every single shot, I think, at the basket, as I understand mm-hmm. it. Every single shot at the basket, he'll yell, and one, whether he makes the shot or not. But very very uh, Deion Waiters-esque, actually, in that regard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, is, is Steve Kerr uh, possibly on the list? Have you, oh, he's, he's God, a, not for me. I love Not Kerr. for me. No, of course. He's a, he's a Cleveland no. Cab for life, you know? Uh, he you know, is. He, he gets I love to, everything about Kerr. He's yeah. funny. It, it, yeah, I, I was going to I was gonna lay out the case. My understanding is you know, the whole running the score swagger, but fuck that. He, they, they, they earn it. I, I have no problem with guys just, just leaving their guys in the court and just scoring, scoring, scoring. I mean, I probably will hate it when they're beating the shit out of us, but uh, no, I, I, really but like I love Kerr. Steve Kerr. I tweet. I actually, I retweeted somebody. Somebody tweeted out the original Splash Brothers. Uh, it was a picture of Mark Price and Steve Kerr. I like that. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> but outside of that, I mean, Clay Thompson doesn't make me so mad. He doesn't talk a lot. He plays his game. Yeah, exactly. Barnes is a pretty quiet guy. I don't think he's going to make yeah. him mad. Their bench is. I got Sean Livingston. I really like a lot. Oh, yeah, when he was with the Cavs. I miss Sean Livingston. I, yeah. I really wish we kept him. He was. I mean, it's rare to find a point guard that's that tall. That can handle the ball like he can, um, and his career has been really admirable coming back from that injury. Absolutely. So he's great. 
Spade, uh, I still have good feelings about from uh, when he was with the Cavs, too, in that same weird when he, us, when he made us watchable for about five games. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and Iguodala, uh, I've, I've, I've always kind of been a solid guy, right? He doesn't, I don't see any issues with yeah. him. He doesn't bug me at all. Barbosa doesn't bug me. David no. Lee doesn't bug me. Yeah, no. It's, not, it's, it's slim pickings. Um, you know, for that you know what, team. So I think it's those. I think it's the big two, and maybe a little Steph, and and that'll. That it, I think. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. But you know what does bug me about the Golden State Warriors, Matt? You know what really pisses me off? What's that, Patty? How fucking good they are. Yeah. Like, this is this is terrifying. Let's let's talk a little bit about the Golden State buzzsaw. We we have to say a little bit at the top. I mean, as LeBron said, you know, he says he's never the underdog. Um. I mean, yes, in many people's eyes. And the fact is, like, a lot of people will, will, will do the same thing they did against the, uh, the Hawks. Like, I remember we talked that we were previewing the Hawks series. Everyone was describing all these ways we couldn't guard them, we couldn't beat them. Like, uh, you know, uh, Zach Lowe had that really long uh, uh, piece previewing the Eastern Conference Finals that read like a, the Cavs have no way to stop the Hawks. Yeah. But I'm picking the Cavs in sixth. <laughs> because there's always that. There's always that chance. And there's an experience factor everyone likes to talk about. But I, I don't buy that. Um, uh, but we, he, the, 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 that's how good the Golden State Warriors are. LeBron is that good that he's a, he's never an underdog, but in this series, he is definitely an underdog. The Cavs are definitely the underdog in this. Uh, talk to me a little bit about, about what makes the Hawks, uh, sorry, the Hawks, the Golden State Warriors so fucking horrifying. Yeah, they are a, a completely other breed than any of the teams we've faced so far in the playoffs this year. They are easily the best team in the league this year. The only competition, I think, was Cavs firing at all cylinders, which we know they're not. And even then, I think Golden State, if we were fully healthy, Kyrie, fully healthy, Kevin Love, I think Warriors are still the, the favorites in this series. Their offense gets all the attention, right? And it is it is terrifying and really, really good. Uh, it is not. They get a rep as a, a jump-shooting team, and they are, they certainly are that, right? They, they're probably yeah. arguably the best-shooting team of all time which is nothing to sneeze at, but they are not just that. I think they can do it all on offense. They can play big. They can punch it down low if they need to. They can penetrate. Um, it's a it's an incredibly talented squad. Their offense gets out all that attention. It's the number one rated defense in the league. Yeah. They have a really, really nasty D uh, with great uh, Green, Thompson, Bogut. Those are all premium defenders um, that the – the big guy, not the big guys, but the sort of the big wings that they have, um, with the addition of Iggy off the bench um, and Livingston, they can just do a lot of stuff. Switching on pick and rolls, getting out, covering a lot of ground, uh, getting back and and from the paint and back out to cover three point shooters. They uh, they're very good defensively. They are very well coached. They are incredibly deep. Uh, the, the exact opposite of what the Cavs find themselves in right now. They can yeah. go 11 deep easy mm-hmm. with no problem. Uh, I think that coach, they are well coached in the sense that they know what they're doing. I think that coaching staff is also willing to do some different things. Uh, most recent example that I can think of being sticking Andrew Bogut on Tony Allen during that Grizzly series, um, which is yeah. that's really out of the box. Thinking that a lot of Coaching staffs, I think, are scared to try, especially in the the, the playoffs. But the, yeah, the, the the heat of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They are they are a great great team. Uh, you've seen a lot of the stuff in the run up about where they fall historically. 
you know, this 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 series will go a long way to really determining that. But it, they should not be underestimated. They like they are a really, really, really good team. And they scare the yeah. piss out of me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what's crazy to me is, you know, they have the reputation as a jump-shooting team, and, yeah, they throw a lot of three-pointers up, and I'm sure they set records and stuff. What's interesting is that it's not like the entire team can shoot threes. I mean, they all can shoot them decently, but, like, it, you know, there's only three guys. Look at the stats in this, and there's only three guys on that roster that's shooting over 40, which is obviously a great percentage to be shooting on three-point shots. But, you know, after uh, Curry, um, Clay Thompson, and you know, you know who the third-best three-point shooter is? Their third best has got to be. It wasn't Barnes wasn't up that high this year. Draymond's not over forty. Iggy's not over forty. All right, I'll cut you off. It was Barnes. Barnes actually get forty percent in, in the regular season. He hit forty fucking percent. Wow. Shocked. Playoffs, he's been down. He's been down close to 33, 34. Actually, I have the number somewhere here in my notes, and we'll, and we'll get to that in a second. But uh, uh, everyone else is closer to thirty-five and lower, which is not that great. I mean, it's not terrible. It's actually it's it's. No, that's good. Team. So it's, 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 it's good, especially when you have so many that can do it. Right, but the point being, the threat, the threat, the, the extreme threat from Curry and Clay in particular, yes. causes defenses to stretch themselves out so hard as to, to 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 put a hand up and contest those threes that it opens everything up down low. It's like, and these are guards, so like normally you wouldn't think, oh, guards to stretch the floor, you know? No, but these guards are so good. That that's how good they are at the three. They yeah. they're two guards are able to stretch the, the floor that well. Uh, and they don't actually have a stretch four shooting threes. I mean, they have stretch fours in the sense of like, you know, that Green can shoot threes and, uh, and, and Barnes obviously can. Uh, but the real, it's the t- sheer terror people have of leaving Steph and Clay alone with an open three-point shot that opens up everything down low. And that's the point, as you said, they aren't a jump string team. They use, the, they use the, sh- the threat of the jump shot to set up everything. Right. Um, and then on top of that, they also are because they're such a good defense that fuels the other part of their offense. Probably the biggest part of their offense is uh, 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 the transition game. Yeah, they're just, they're just sheer murder. I, I like to call them Fury Road. I've been Fury Road. Um, I've been seeing all these uh, uh, you know pictures and tweets and gifs describing the Golden State offense just by showing that one clip of the uh, flaming guitar from mm-hmm. Mad Max. Uh, so that kind of covers it. Yeah, Fury Road. That's this That's team in a nutshell. I saw the. I was at the game that the Cavs played out here in January. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Which actually was was uh, no LeBron, no Shumpert, um, and was a little bit closer than the final score indicated. But yeah. I think at one point in that game, I couldn't see in the arena, but my brother texted me that at some point in the fourth quarter, it, I think it was thirty to nothing in fast break points. Yeah, the Warriors were up something crazy like that. They can move. The tr- the trailing three on fast breaks for them is just so dangerous. It just kills. It's it just kills. And that that they can they can score those threes in bunches like they do. They can go on those runs. And the Cavs are a little capable of this too, but mm-hmm. they can catch up so quick. Uh, definitely a, a no lead is ever safe kind of team. Yeah, that was the crazy thing. I remember we, when we actually had that one game, we did win against them, uh, and that's the one kind of ray of light here. Although we did, we had Kevin Love back then, and that was a big key to our offense in that in that game. Uh, uh, you know, we were up ten for most of that game. We had a pretty sizable lead. We even I think we got up to fifteen or eighteen at one mm-hmm. point. I, think that's right. uh, I, I didn't I didn't ever feel safe. I did not no. ever feel safe against this team. I mean, for God's sakes, Houston in Game Four of the Western Conference Finals had like a 27-point lead or something like that in the first quarter. They're at 44 to 22 at some point. 
And every tweet I saw was like, uh, I, I still think Houston's going to lose this game. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. And, and, and yeah, they, they basically lost that lead. They eventually got, got it within like two or three, I think. All those, all those, all that metrics we tried to come up with last time had about when you can relax and the lead is safe. Just throw all that out the window Gone. against Gone. these guys. I think double it, right? Eight points a minute. That's something like that. Yeah, eight points a minute. Yeah. When we're up sixteen points with two minutes left, I think we got it. I think yeah. we got it in the bag. All right. They so are. Matt, that's all we gotta do. That's all we gotta do. We just gotta get a sixteen-point lead, but with two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and we can relax. So that's yeah. it. That's a big deal. All right, let's move on to the finals preview. Uh, that's where I think we're going to spend most of our time tonight. That's what this podcast was titled, a NBA Finals preview. Uh, first, before we get into it, Matt, we're in the fucking finals. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's, not, let's not forget that. That's fucking awesome. I can't believe that. Uh, I, I still remember, I was, I've been saying to everyone uh, uh, in my office, uh, particularly uh, Mark Lamont Hill, who likes to troll me uh, in my cast fandom, uh, and torture a lot of nerd out of a Sixers fan, too. I, you know, I gave him a little shit about this. We'll get to this a little bit later in some, some of the fan fallacies and, and, and who, really, who you should be rooting for in this series uh, at, at the end of the podcast if we have some time. Uh, but uh, he loves to give me shit. And um, I, I told him after, after Kevin Love had his you know, arm torn out of his socket, um, I was like, you know, I'm just happy to be here now. At, at one point, you know, at least I can relax. The, you know, there's no real title hopes now. I mean, sure, we always have a shot with LeBron and Kyrie, but, you know, whatever we get is gravy. But now, of course, we're here, and now it's terrifying again. So, yeah. You know. It is good right to remember those in. moments, that it's yeah. it's nice to be in the finals. We talked yeah. about that in the last pod before we knew that the dread would start. Exactly, um, exactly. So it's, it's this, the, the, these we're still in the middle of the we've got two more days. Like, you know, NBA finals start Thursday uh, at 9 p.m. So we got, you know, we got another full day ahead of us without having to start being terrified. So, uh, but let's uh, put that aside. And Matt, uh, why don't we just, why don't you start giving your, your, your keys to the, to the uh, NBA finals and what, what the Cavs have to do to have any shot of uh, achieving the impossible. Sure. So I think in a, in a reversal of how these previews have gone before, I'm going to talk a little more about players and you're going to, it seems like get into stats a little bit later, but I think that yours will, yours will fall out from mine pretty well. So number yeah. one for me is what are we getting from Kyrie? Mm-hmm. That's a really Whip big flash. That's right. Whiplash. Right. Going back to the top. How uh, how playable is he? And that's on that's on all sides. What are are we getting? Thirty minutes of eighty percent Kyrie per game? Or are we getting twenty minutes of C minus Kyrie per game? Uh, that's a big deal. What can yeah. he? What kind of offensive burden can he pull off of LeBron? What does do our not win LeBron? Those terrifying moments when LeBron's on the bench, where we've somehow outscored people, <laughs> which is just insanity to me. What, what was that lineup we had out? Uh, I think in the first half of one of the you know last uh, two games against. Oh, it's just absurd. Delhi Shumpert, was... Smith, Jones, and Thompson. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's the one I said. It was the it was the uh, 2011 Cavs uh, uh, teleporting into, uh, or maybe 2012 Cavs teleporting into the NBA NBA Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So just Kyrie being out there in those moments is enough to like that's 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 a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, what he's able to give on defense. Um, I don't think he can. I don't even think healthy Kyrie can really hang with uh, with Curry, and we'd end up having Shumpert and probably LeBron, honestly, a little bit on uh, on Curry throughout the game. But mm-hmm. the Warriors also are not the Bulls or the Hawks where there's players you can hide Kyrie on. There's no hiding, mm-hmm. in my opinion. There's no place yeah. to hide. I guess, no I, I guess you'd put him on Barnes 
in this situation, but that doesn't that doesn't uh, instill me with a great deal of confidence. Um, so if he is able to move, to fight through picks, to do all that stuff and really give a, the game effort that we've seen from him for most of the year on defense and be, I don't know, 80, 85% of himself on offense, that is an enormous enormous deal to me in this series. So that's that's one. Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, two Next. is uh, what does LeBron do with his game? Mm-hmm. So the, the I'm sure everybody's read about this all over the place, but his jump shooting has been uh, strikingly bad, right? And not just yeah. like something it's like something weird's going on almost bad with his mm-hmm. his jump shooting. This is this is quite a, a slump that he's in. You know, I saw um, I saw I saw Instagram video of uh, LeBron and Kyrie shooting uh, left-handed um, baseline jumpers, um, it, it, like horribly, like like the way the way you and I would shoot left-handed jumpers. Uh, so uh, I don't know what that says. Maybe uh, that'll get his mind right. Uh, I got nothing. Go ahead. I hope so. you know. So I think <laughs> the key is either his jump shot comes back to where it was last year, honestly, or for, for some parts of this year. It can't be as bad as it was, right? I, mm-hmm. He's shooting 17% from three-point range. We're in big trouble. So either it comes back a little or he just scraps it and does, just says, I'm doing all my work in the paint here. And I don't honestly think if he's really putting his mind to it and just going down there and going to work all game, I don't think while the, the Warriors have a lot of guys they can throw at him, I don't mm-hmm. think any of them can really give him Real trouble. Right, right. And if he's down there and able to do what he can do, either in bullying his way to the basket or just setting up shop and picking out uh, guys for three-pointers or cutters or whatever, um, that's a big deal. But he's got to commit to it. He can't get whatever those moments are, if it's tired or lazy or whatever, where he drifts out and starts taking those shots. If they're not dropping, he has got to scrap it, in my opinion, and just go mm-hmm. to work. Yeah, uh, down there or on pick and rolls or what, you know, whatever that might be. Uh, but he cannot. We can't have him throwing up long twos and just bricking three pointers like we saw for a lot of the Hawks series. We do not have that margin of error for him to to shoot like that from out there. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So that's two, and then three. I think is what are we getting? Um, are, are we going to see another transcendent experience from? sort of our next tier of guys, right? Like, is, is TT going to keep on the trajectory that he's been on? Does he have more of what we saw in the Hawks series in him? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Bogut is obviously bigger than anybody that the Hawks had, but but Draymond's not huge, and while tough and a, a good rebounder, I think I think TT can get him. But he's got he's to be going to work and just cleaning offensive boards this series. We need Jr. probably to have a game or two of uh, what do you call him? Uh, I don't know, but he, we we need supernova. The, the yeah, we need him laying pipe. Yeah, uh, like crazy. <laughs> and wait, wait, what is what is what is that pipe called? The the, the big political football, uh, the transatlantic cable pipe. What is it called? You know, the one they're fighting over, the, the, ah, fuck, I can't remember, but the, hey, you're the news, man. You tell me. I, I know I should, but I've, I've blanked it out. It's too late at night for me. Uh, we, we need, we need him to lay so much pipe that it cro- that goes all the way from Cleveland to San Francisco. How about that? Like we need, we need some, not every night necessarily, but we need a couple, I think a transcendent performance of him and need him to keep up the work other places. 
And Shumpert, I think, um, a little bit of offense, but we really his defense. This is this is the time, right? Like, yeah, uh, we need yeah. a shutdown performance. That was the big difference in the Grizzlies series, right? Was Tony Allen was really able to get into Steph Curry and cause him a lot of problems. And Clay too, yeah, and, and just and just disrupt the rhythm, make them think, and so so it got to the point where they those guys were missing wide open shots, which they never do. Right, Curry lost that air ball on a wide open shot uh, in that in that in that game that he was being really bothered. So right, so if, yeah. if LeBron's forecast of Shumper becoming an all uh, all NBA defensive player is going to come true, this is the time it's really got to start. He's been great, mm-hmm. but the the threats we're facing here are much graver than uh, what we faced, I think, from anybody coming into this point. It's certainly better than uh, what we saw from the Hawks, especially after Korver went down, and right. this backcourt is better than uh, a good Rose and Butler backcourt that we saw in the Chicago series, right? Like, Rose does not have a jump shot to speak of. No, no, and that and that, and that, that gets into some of my, my, my keys I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about in a second if, uh, if you've covered your points. Any other, any other big points you want to get to? Oh, oh, by the way, Keystone Pipeline. I just thought I just got it. Keystone Pipeline. Oh. I'm embarrassed. Uh, not the, yeah. Not the Transatlantic. Transatlantic cable. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is in my head? But, yeah, we, we, we need J.R. Smith to be laying the, uh, the basketball equivalent of the Keystone Pipeline. Uh, right, so I think, I think it's, it's – it's, um, You'll, I think you're going to get into a little more X's and O's stuff, but just from a, a high-level player perspective, I think that's what we got to see. And yeah. those, uh, and just the, the team playing like they have, which is all out, scrapping hard, all game long, not having uh, letdowns on defense where this the Warriors team can, can put up a ton of points in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, just cannot have those lulls, and we cannot also afford... Um, what we did not see so much in the Hawks series, but definitely did in the in the Bulls series, is those period spending four to six minutes in a quarter where we don't score any buckets. That yeah. just can't happen. We need to score enough um, to keep things close with this team constantly. Yeah. We can't we can't afford those lulls. So I think yeah. effort and then Kyrie's health, what LeBron's doing as far as uh, limiting his jump shooting or improving it, and uh, transcendence of our our next level guys and just our effort as a team. Um, it's a big uh, deal, and then and then finally, and I think you'll touch on this is no, go ahead. This, is, this is the test for for David Blatt too, right? Like I, I he hasn't gotten enough. I think some of the decisions he made in that Hawks series were paid off brilliantly, and and were the correct choices. And he's got to make a whole lot of choices in this series in terms of uh, the lineups he's running out there, strategy on some X's and O's stuff, and let's see. This is a big test for him. Let's see what he's got. Yeah, he's got to come up with a great plan, and he's got to, he's got to adjust it several times a game, not just from game to game, because um, uh, it's going to be pick your poison a little bit with some of these three point shooters, and you're going to have to kind of just get a feel for who who who, who you're going to let shoot them, yeah. and who you're not. And the Warriors are not going to keep. They have the personnel, the will, and the coaching acumen not to keep banging their head against the wall if something isn't working. They're going to they're going to exactly. mix it up and Don't try something, something different. else. Yeah, they're not a yeah. static opponent at all. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, and yeah, I, and I will come back to you. While of course LeBron and the bench mob are key to every series, and Kyrie is to some extent. I, I do think Kyrie is probably the most important because he changes the complexion uh, of the remaining matchups uh, without Kevin Love. Uh, if he can uh, play anywhere close to eighty uh, percent for the rest of the series, particularly on defense, we know he's going to be able to do an offense. We don't need him necessarily to be to be transcendent on offense, although that will certainly help. 
and will certainly help balance out what Golden State, the kind of damage Golden State can do on offense. Uh, but it's really key what he can do on defense because it'll 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 keep us in the game if he can. Yeah, if he's um, not playable on that end. Oh, little Luna! Yeah, little Luna is making a guest appearance on the Maddie and Patty podcast. She's she's getting fired up. <laughs> Big cast fan, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so so getting into some of my keys uh, and, and some of these X and O's, um, and this this actually we we are we are meeting demand here, Maddie. We, uh, you know, our audience has demanded more X and O conversation uh, in this preview, and uh, we provide. We've responded. Uh, Well, we are now. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I think the the biggest thing to watch in this series, the first and foremost thing to watch, I'll sort of bookend this with the two most important things uh, with with an X factor in between. But the biggest thing to watch for first and foremost is how the Cavs uh, defend the pick and roll uh, on, uh, on Golden State. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the basic formula has to be uh, no open threes for Curry, Clay, and Barnes. Barnes actually has been shooting a little bit under uh, his forty percent average for the season, so I could I could see the argument for letting him. Right, shoot if you're a making a bit. choice amongst those three guys, that's the one yeah. you let go. Sure. I, I can live a little bit with Barnes, but I don't like that. I think I think we're gonna get burned. I think he's gonna eventually. I think it's gonna come back to the mean. If he's been shooting forty percent all year, you know he's gonna have some big games. We keep leaving him open. Um, and I don't want him to get comfortable either. So that's the big thing. But the key thing is, I think we can live with everybody else. Yeah, 34% is, is a good solid three point range shooting. But you know what? Jeff Teague shot 34%. You know what we did? We let him shoot it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I was surprised by. And um, this gets into uh, so one of our friends, uh, Jeff Versteeg, Stiggy, the vile Stiggy Thins, uh, had some strong criticisms for the way the Cavs had played pick and roll defense uh, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, you know, his criticism was the Cavs – I, I don't have the exact quotes here, uh, so I'm sure he'll, he'll object to my paraphrasing here. But he's basically saying that our pick and roll in the Eastern Conference playoffs was horrible because we just played under the ball handlers. We played under the screen versus Chicago and, eight, and Atlanta, and we just lucked out that they didn't hit their threes. They didn't hit those deep jump shots. Golden State will kill us. Now, he's right and he's wrong. He's right that Golden State will kill us if we play the pick and roll like that and go under the screens. Like, they'll feast on that and just, just destroy us and rain fire and death and brimstone upon us. Yes. Uh, but he's wrong. He's completely wrong that the Cavs lucked out. Blatt deserves so much credit for this. It was incredibly analytics-driven. It, inten- it, was, it, was, it was completely intentional the way we went under the screens for certain players. For example, mm-hmm. Derrick Rose is a horrible three-point shooter. We want him shooting those threes. He hit some. He got real hot sometime time. And we, you know, we contested some of them too. But we just like just just shoot that shit. And eventually, he did and shot him shot the Bulls out of the game basically in that game six uh, closer. Uh, Teague was better, but he only hits about thirty-four uh, percent. You know, if that's the guy taking threes in the series, not Corver. Uh, you know, then we're going to win the series. If we're going to let that guy shoot the, especially given letting get deep into the, uh, into the three point line, shoot that deep jumper, go ahead. You know, and that was, that was ballsy because 34% is still a high percentage or high ish percentage, right. right? It's one that can do some damage and he's going to get hot and really hurt you from time to time. And he did, but it took a lot of discipline, uh, on the coaching staff to say, no guys play the averages. Play the analytics. Right. He's going to start missing, and we're and this allows us what what allows you to do. You live with that. They're going to hit you. They're going to hurt you. You're going to let that go. You're just going to hit them that. And if those guys have wide open jump shots, they'll probably shoot a little bit better than. You lock down on everything else in the paint, and that's where the easy buckets are. 
the one thing you just you want to make sure you you eliminate the three point shooting from the guys that can hurt you really really hurt you that will just destroy you uh, and let the guys who occasionally hurt you just shoot it you gotta let that go I mean obviously look we want to close out in every one we want to try and contest every three but those are the guys that you 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 let it happen if you have no other choice the one guys you, you do not let ever shoot a three point shooter three, three point shot excuse me without a hand in the face is Curry and Clay Thompson and I think to some extent Harrison Barnes. So uh, that's where that's my response to, to Jeff Stiggy's uh, Jeff Stiggy's uh, criticism uh, that the Cavs did not play the pick and roll well in the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs. Uh, that was by design, and the thing is, we're going to have to change it. But then, yep, Matt, how do we, how do we change the pick and roll? How do you defend that? We, you know, so uh, I I, like, I was reading a, a couple of different takes uh, over the past couple of days. Uh, um, uh, God, I'm just terrible. I forget his actual name. I know his Twitter handle at Cavsanada. Uh, just do you know who, what his name is? He's a Fear of the Sword writer. Is that Rowan? Yeah, yeah, Justin, Justin Rowan. Rowan. Justin Rowan, uh, solid writer, fantastic follow. If you guys are on Cavs Twitter, you got to follow him and follow pretty much every, everybody from Fear of the Sword. They're 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 hilarious. Uh, his his argument was you just stick Kyrie on him, give him no help, and let Curry get his points. Which is sort of a, an unusual take, but it's, it's a reverse of the let LeBron get his points argument, which people are actually arguing for this series too. The idea of like you know let 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 Curry shoot, just don't let anyone else get going. Let them get cold, shut them down, and you know if Kyrie can sort of hang with him and keep him you know average you know average for Curry, we'll have a chance to win the games. I don't know if I follow that or necessarily buy that, uh, but there's there's some merit to it. Zach Lowe, uh, his piece I didn't get a chance to finish today, but he was um, he was basically saying the opposite: hide Kyrie on 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 Barnes, mm-hmm. uh, make him beat you on post-ups. Yeah, Harrison Barnes can totally beat up Kyrie on post-ups, but you know then it's Harrison Barnes taking a ton of shots right. in a post-up situation he's not familiar with. Uh, it's sort of you know that's you know in the meantime you're keeping the ball out of, out of Steph Curry's hands. So that's. You know, there's there's advantages there. I think the big deal is, I mean, like let's go through some numbers again. Clay, Curry, Clay, and Barnes each hit for more than forty percent in the regular season. Barnes is now down to thirty three percent in the playoffs, so that's bearing watching. So if he keeps that, if he keeps struggling like that, then I think you can start letting him shoot that. Iggy actually shoots thirty five percent in the regular season, but he's down to thirty two in the playoffs. The key thing here is that Dre Green, uh, people try to close out on, he's he's able to hit big threes. He's he shot thirty four percent in the regular season. He's shooting twenty six percent in the playoffs sort of yeah, a little lebron-esque and he also mm-hmm. that's the other thing dre is not a great three-point shooter but he launches way more threes than harrison barnes who's a better three-point shooter iggy anyone so that's kind of interesting um it's like he still shoots these three-point shots and, and it doesn't seem to hurt them because he's got one of the best plus minuses on the team because of his defense so anyway the point being we have to let dre shoot those threes we got we got we got to live with that um, that's a shot. That's shot just like Jeff Teague that we have to be disciplined about letting happen if we, if if it comes down to that. The breakdown happens, we let him shoot that. Um, but what I think we're going to see, Matt, in this series is the Mike Brown defense is going to make a comeback. Mm. We're going to see a lot of show and recover, yeah. uh, and, and a lot of trapping, uh, as well as some switching. We didn't do a lot of that in the Mike Brown era. It was a lot mostly show and recover. But and we're gonna need a mix of all three uh, to have any chance against these guys. The only way we can make sure that Curry doesn't Curry doesn't get an open look. Uh, but it's a ton riskier than the kind of defense we were playing in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, in fact, it, uh, this is how Blatt tried to play defense early in the season, if you remember. Uh, and we got torched. He was playing a really yeah. aggressive show and recover uh, uh, pick and roll D. Uh, we just didn't have the personnel to do it. The wing D couldn't stop the penetration. The bigs couldn't st- couldn't recover to stop the roll, and we just give up a shit ton of layups. Yeah. These guys aren't ready because they haven't been practicing. They haven't been playing yeah. this in the playoffs. That's what makes it a big risk. If they aren't ready in the layoff to actually execute this, we could be in trouble. 
Right. Now, of course, the team that we were rolling out there that was trying that at the beginning of the season had Sean Marion, Mike Miller Absolutely. as our wings rather than Shumpert and Smith, uh, yep. who were certainly yep. better athletes and, uh, at least in Shumpert's case, just a, a better, smarter defender. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Unless that's something they just have up their sleeve that they've been saving and working on in practice, which this this is starting to sound fantastical, uh, I think you're right. Yep. Right. That's a hard thing yep. to just implement against the best team in the league. On the yeah. stage, yep. And I think I think what you'll end up seeing is, I, if I'm if I'm right, we're going to see us showing showing and trapping when Green, uh, Iggy, or Bogut are setting the picks. Uh, mm-hmm. Meaning we're gonna we're gonna live with letting them get a chance at, at an open three, or rolling to the basket a little bit, and we may even trap a little bit to make the pass tough. Uh, but when Clay or Barnes are setting the picks, we're gonna switch. Uh, and make sure that they don't get a clean look at a three-point shot. Um, and that's what's neat about this team is that we actually kind of have the ability with the guys who will be guarding Clay and Barnes uh, uh, to be able to make those switches and not you know, suffer horribly. The biggest key to our pick-and-roll defense is can Maz cover well enough? Right. Um, it's a big question mark whether he can actually – certainly he's not going to be able to switch uh, on a Curry. That's not going not gonna to happen. Uh, he'll just get torched alive. Um, a lot of but, fouls in that situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And a lot of three step back threes and blowing past him. It's just going to be rough. So, yeah. but if he can't show and recover well enough to stay with Bogut uh, on defense, uh, I mean, I'm not sure he's going to make 20 minutes a game. Honestly, he's yeah. going to play. His, he's going to play 14 minutes probably, and that's it at the beginning of the first and the beginning of the, of the third quarter, and that's it. But if Mozgov can stay out there, then it helps our offensive rebounding, which is the other big key that's coming up. Um, but before I get to the offensive rebounding, my other big – so my second key, my little X factor, is turnovers. Um, you yeah. know, Golden State – I mentioned earlier, Golden State feasts off breakaway points. It's a huge part of their offense, right? And turnovers have been a big problem for us on offense this playoffs. LeBron has had a ton of them. Uh, so limiting turnovers on offense for us is a crucial component to shutting down the Fury Road. Uh, if we can, if we can find a way to limit those turnovers, I think we'll at least limit some of the damage and keep things closer. But I want to throw another thing. I was kind of interesting is that uh, turnovers might become an Achilles heel, heel, Achilles heel for the Warriors. It's been um, a problem the for are, them. The Cavs are pretty good in transition, better I think than Memphis. I mean, certainly not. I mean, Houston's pretty good in transition too. But we're we are you know we have a, a ton of athletic players that can do well in transition. We have an opportunistic defense, uh, and Golden State turns it over a lot. They're ranked 21st in the regular season with 14 turnovers a game. They're actually up in the postseason. They're up 15 a game, uh, and they're like dead last tie with Houston for the most turnovers uh, per game in the, in, in the postseason. We've been, we've been middle of the pack the whole way. So if we can punish them for their turnovers and limit our own turnovers, it might really – that's another one of those like dynamic changes. That's what's kind of an X factor. It may not be a big deal if we all just kind of even out, but the more we can limit their opportunities to run, uh, the better. Um, the other big opportunity they have to run is on defensive rebounds. So that's where I think the biggest key uh, – you talked about TT a little bit, but uh, the offensive glass uh, for us is probably the, the other key to the series. Pick and roll on defense and the offensive glass and the offensive end is probably the, big, the, the two big things that we have to nail to have a chance. Um, I don't think we'll be able to murder Golden State in the glass like we did Atlanta, uh, but we need to – kind of maul them the way we did the Bulls. Um, yeah. And the Bulls actually, you know, except until that last game, we're actually slightly winning the rebounding battle uh, in that series with us. But the games that we won, we won the rebounding battle, yeah. you know, against the Bulls. 
and more importantly, we forced them to send double teams on TT uh, on the on the offensive glass. We forced them to send two guys down under the basket, sometimes a third. Like there was another guy like just just drifting towards in case there was a you know errant rebound. Like they were they were trying to double team box him out, which left openings for other Cavs players to swoop in for offensive rebounds. Like the fact his presence alone just created more offensive rebounding opportunities for everybody else. And more importantly, when you have to put that kind of attention and personnel towards stopping the offensive board, it slows down the transition points. You don't have guys running back on defense if they're worried about giving up an offensive rebound. Absolutely. If we can hurt them on the board, it slows down their transition opportunities, uh, even if we don't necessarily win on the offensive board. And more importantly, I think we can still beat them on the offensive board, even if they do send the people down at us because we, you know, we just have the personnel for it in a way that they don't. Um, they're not terrible on the, on the glass, but they aren't, you know, they're good either. Um, so I think those are the biggest keys, uh, uh, pick and roll defense, how we run that. And I don't even talk about the off screen, uh, picks that they do. That's, that's the other crazy thing quickly. If you see the off screen stuff on the baseline, but they do a ton of that stuff, double picks mm -hmm. to spring clay to spring, uh, 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 Curry. I think that kind of stuff, we're just going to have to switch, uh, uh, constantly. I, I don't think we can run. We can, I don't think Curry can just run through all that stuff constantly. And also why would the, that's the other advantage of putting Kyrie on Curry to start with is that they aren't going to run those picks as often because they don't want to take uh, uh, Steph off off of um, uh, Kyrie. You yeah, know, I don't know. Them. I think that I don't think they're scared of of that. Of what? Oh, think, oh, of getting him on somebody else. I mean, because that's, yeah, that's that's my point. Is that my point is if they switch if they if they run if they run that's what my, then that's my point. If Kyrie is going to run through an off screen uh, pick, just switch. It's not yeah. like you know they get because yeah. I'm fine with Kyrie on Harrison Barnes. I don't want him trying to run through multiple screens with his gimpy legs to keep up with Curry. Just switch out because, frankly, we got a lot of really athletic uh, perimeter guys that can that can defend him. We just going to make sure that we somehow don't wind up with Mozgov guarding him. But I, you know, I don't like TT on Curry. But you know, TT on Curry is probably a different kind of bad than Kyrie on Curry. Yeah, I might even I, like no, I have, I have. As we talked about this in the Bulls series, I thought TT played the the best second best defense on uh, on Derrick Rose of anybody yeah. when he switched on yeah. those pick and rolls. Um, a little less successful against Teague, although I think foul trouble with some of that and, and some other things. But I I, I think what we're going to see is is that uh, our best lineup is TT at center, LeBron at power forward, Shump uh, mm -hmm. Smith, and then either either Kyrie or Delhi. And I think. Um, you know, Kyrie not being able to go is a big problem, and what can we really get? Uh, how, what's Delhi ceiling here? Yeah, you know, I can't yeah, believe we're talking about that. About to find out part of the finals, but that's <laughs> um, what, the, what the fuck happened? I remember like halfway through the season, people wanting him gone. Oh, everybody! Uh, we wanted to trade for like, Cole, so we would. Saying, have to I'm, play okay, Delhi. I'm okay with him playing eight minutes a game. Yeah, eight minutes a game, I'll be fine. You know, how, uh, you don't okay? You okay with eight minutes a game? How do you feel about thirty-five? You're right, because I about thirty-five and, and it carrying us to the finals, and we um, might need him to do that. And yeah, because if 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 Kyrie cannot hang on D, I think that's the unit you roll out there, and then, good God, LeBron's just got to go bonkers on offense. Uh, carry it, yeah. capable of it, but it's it's risky, man. The 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 margins. We everybody said this when Love went down, right? And it's even gotten more so with Kyrie's injury. But our margins for error are razor. Razor thin here. Yeah, uh, you know this gets to the other part that I wanted to talk about before we left and before we get into the home stretch here um, is like the state of the Cavs now. I mean, what 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 can this team do? I mean, two and two in the Eastern Conference semifinals. 
uh, we seemed dead in the water. We just had a game-winning shot that like just blew the roof off. Uh, but I remember thinking after that game, oh, that was great because we're not going to win another game. Right. I didn't think we. I didn't think we had. A, I mean, just because the injuries and how poorly we were playing in that game, and how we just got you know bailed out by those uh, JR threes. I just thought you know there's just no way. And then we just went on this six-game dominant streak of basketball that I just that no one saw coming. Just no. you know, uh, I mean. And look, it's, it's careful not to overestimate the Cavs like we did in 2007. I remember you and I, I mean, at the exhilarating uh, uh, LeBron, you know, 48 special oh, yeah. against the, the Pistons uh, at, at the Palace in game five. And then the Booby Gibson game in, in, in game six to send us to the finals. You and I were so cocky about the Spurs. I mean, we knew they were good, but no, you know, and, and we didn't have much of a chance. But after watching them handle the Pistons like that, we were like, we can take these guys. Like, I, I, think, we, I think we got the Spurs. Yeah. You know, and, um, we, Clearly, we did wrong. not. Wrong. <laughs> Clearly wrong. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what, what, what's our ceiling now? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, right? How much of what we saw in that Atlanta series was the Cavs finding another level, finding a way to win, doing all that cliche stuff, uh, and how much of it was the Hawks maybe were never as good. They were always going to have problems in the postseason. Maybe they would have lost to the Wizards if John Wall hadn't hurt his hand. Yeah, Corver went down. the The Horford ejection. We probably could have, should have lost that third game anyway. Oh you know, like how do, how do we not lose that game? I still understand. Right. So there's a oh. lot of. I, I think um, there are some Cavs fans uh, and, and pundits that are sort of glossing over some of that stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and even, I mean, seriously, even in that Chicago series, if Blatt gets the the timeout call that he should have been called, oh god, that yeah. Game and yeah. That, <laughs> transforms things. So there's been some some breaks there that have covered up uh, some of our inadequacies. Yeah, and absolutely. I and I think that this this particular roster, uh, without love, with Irving hurt, and with the back end of our bench as weak as it is, and essentially unplayable. Yeah. Uh, we are we are we are eight deep, and one of those eight is James Jones. <laughs> We even thought we haven't mentioned his name yet. This series, right. but we're going to see a lot of him. And, um, like yeah. it, it, it's that is. Um, I, I am impressed with what they've done so far, and I guess we're going to get into predictions soon here. But I, I, my fear is that we have, we have taken this team has got done overachieved and done more than we could hope for, especially with the Kyrie injury, and that that uh, that might be what we have to be happy with. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, if we find a way to play um, the Kyrie, Shump, Jr., LeBron, TT lineup more than the starting lineup, God love Mozgov, but this is not the the best series for him uh, in terms of what he has to do on defense. Um, if we if that can be a lineup we play the most, I you know I think we got a shot, but it's going to take us seven games uh, uh, minimum. <laughs> Are there eight games? <laughs> right. uh, I think it'll take us seven games to 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 win four against the Golden State Warriors. Um, but uh, we can't afford, you know we can't afford foul trouble with yeah, any. Yeah, we, we, we got no one else. I mean, there there was that rumor. There was a rumor that the Cavs, uh, you know, oh, Windy, Windy doing it again. There was a rumor that Windy started. That uh, uh, I guess Blatt had a role in it too with his kind of casual answers to questions in uh, in press conferences. But there was a rumor that uh, Anderson Verajao was going to be activated for the NBA Finals, but yeah. but not but not dressed. Like they're just going to bring his pack his jersey, but not dress him and just have him as an emergency option in case like 
you know, uh, guys get injured or whatever, or we find out that we can't keep uh, Mozgov and TT out of foul trouble and we don't want to play Perkins. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, God, if we have to play Perkins any minutes in this series. No, that's oh. a, the things yeah, have either gone terribly wrong or terribly well. I mean, if we if we give, if we give up if we give up Matt less than six points a minute while Perkins is out there, I'll I'll consider that a victory. Yeah, <laughs> that's how bad he's going to be in the series if he has to play. No, no, this is this is not the time for him. So, like I said, if the Cavs have any chance of winning, I think it's going to take seven games. Um, but I, uh, uh, you know, the the Clevelander Emmy, the uh, just you know, experience uh, weighs too heavily on hope. Uh, uh, I, I think it's going to be Golden State in six, uh, though. Much much that I want to see the Cavs win this. What uh, what's your prediction? So, I don't think. I think the team has too much heart to get to get swept. I don't think it's a sweep. Yeah, no, um, I don't think so. I hope not. I really want to see a. a, a I like to see one Cavs finals win. Uh, right, would be nice. Which makes me want to say Cavs in six, but the the new format messes with me a little bit on that, right? Because it's not two three two anymore. It's no, two, it's two two one one one. Which means uh, for them to lose in six, they'd lose at home. They're certainly capable of. Yeah, you said, um, you said Cavs in six. You meant Golden State in six. Yeah, I'm sorry for for it to be uh, Golden State in six, um, which makes me I think say Golden State in five. Oof. I don't like yeah. it. I don't like it either. And I even said that to somebody once before. I was like, I mean, I think that's a real possibility, but um, I don't know. I just this team has impressed me enough to think that it's 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 realistic to see us. Um, um, scheming, game planning, and executing, getting hot at the right time to pull out two wins against this great team. Um, but to get four, so much has to go right, and a lot has to go wrong for Golden State uh, for us to uh, to pull out four wins. And I think it's going to take all seven if we have any chance of that. It would listen. I uh, I started and, and, and winning the seventh in in the Oracle. I mean that that's that's what it would take. That's what's crazy right. about that. That's how I, uh, that is. like many of us. I think I started to drink the Kool Aid after the Atlanta series, and you got a, a surprising number of national uh, writers picking the Cavs to win this. And yep. I was on Cavs the blog the other day, and all five of their writers picked the Cavs to win. I, I think that is uh, Barkley. Barkley keeps trying to yeah, jinx them. To I know. Them. I I think that's crazy talk. I there's I I don't think it's impossible that the Cavs win. I, I don't no, definitely. But I mean, it, no is, it is impossible at all. No, no way. But uh, it would take good. It would take uh, just like I, this would be a LeBron. I think it would we would say this is the most impressive thing LeBron's ever done in his career if they get this series right. This I think the win here vaults him up several levels on the all-time list if he's able Absolutely. to do this. I think it would take Blatt to another level as a coach where people would have to say maybe this is one of the best coaches in the league. It would change the reputations. Which are already starting to change a little bit, but I think even further cement the reputations of our our secondary guys, T.T. Shump-Smith. Um, yeah. That is possible. Listen, I would love nothing more of it. There is large parts of my my heart, by my entire heart, that wants that. Uh, nothing would make me happier, but I don't... I, I think we're too beat up. Yeah. Kyrie totally healthy. Kevin Love there. Uh, I think it's a different story. That's a real series, but I just don't think I don't think we have enough juice to stick with these guys this year. This year, 
I agree. And uh, interestingly, uh, our, our friend, my colleague, uh, Mark Lamont Hill, uh, actually picked the Cavs to win in six, but that's only because he had a bet with uh, uh, my HuffPost Live producer, Ben Teitelbaum. Ben picked the uh, Golden State Warriors to beat the field uh, and bet with Mark. So Mark, has, it, it, Mark feels trapped now. He likes to root against the Cavs, but now he actually has to root for them so he can beat uh, uh, Ben. So I don't know if that helps. Why does he like to root against why would you like to root against the Cavs, Pat? Well, well, I'll, I'll explain as best I can. Do you, do you have time to to a, a little flourish here? Uh, 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 the f- home stretch on Cavs fan, fan fouls. Sure. He's like five minutes. Let's, All right, let's have a little five so, minutes of fun here. So uh, his his theory was he doesn't want the Cavs to win or the Cleveland to win because then that makes Philadelphia the most pathetic sports city, or at least the it moves them up a notch. Basically, he li- he likes to have other cities be be more pathetic than Philly to help them. That was how he explained it to me. How terrible. It's horrible. It makes them a horrible human being, uh, but I'll get That's... to that in a second. Uh, uh, it it kind of is though, as though he is uh, 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 to me with giving me those wonderful seats of his for the Sixers game that we uh, blew in horrific fashion. Uh, <laughs> that was the same night we traded Deion Waiters. Which, uh, oh, yes. Great night. night. I was wearing my Deion Waiters jersey at the game where Deion Waiters got traded. And I was so excited to get so close to the court and be able to see Deion Waiters play wearing my Deion Waiters jersey, and he got traded. God damn. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Every goddamn fan in Philadelphia at halftime was like, hey, you know I got traded, right? I was like, yeah, yeah I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Uh, although, as I said, I, I still wear Deion Waiters jersey for the games because, uh, I mean, basically it's like where if, if you could wear a J.R. Smith, uh, Iman Shumpert, and Timofey Moskov jersey and one jersey, that's what that jersey is. That's, that that's man nice is those three people. I will always love him. Um, so so that's that's the uh, Mark's uh, uh, stra- uh, theory, although I explained you know, my what I'll explain here, and he sort of kind of came around and, and, and said, that, that, that makes sense. I'm like, so you're going to root for the Cavs? Like, no, no. I mean, I'm going to root for them because I have to win the bet, but I still hate the Cavs. So whatever. I didn't, didn't convince him. But look, the, it's not just Mark. The Cavs hate is out there, and that's what I want to just talk about before we, we wrap this up. Uh, and so you know, Mark sent me this, this, this tweet. You probably saw it, the, the Cavs tattoo dude. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? God bless him. Yeah. Guy gets a Cavs championship tattoo before the finals. Uh, you know, my response is, like, that's that's not really a Cleveland fan. I mean, look, I, I'm sure he's excited about the Cavs, loves the Cavs, and loves Cleveland sports, stuff like that. But he's not – I mean, look, Cleveland fans expect to lose because hard experience has trained us to expect this. It has trained us that if we don't expect it, it will hurt so much more uh, than when we get our hopes up. So – I just, I just, I can't, my mind can't fathom a Cleveland fan doing that and actually being a Cleveland fan. Uh, so, but maybe he's uh, just very young. Yeah, that's my point. Is that, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know, he doesn't know well enough. You know, he's like, he's like, uh, he doesn't know better. He's too young. He doesn't know better. He's, he's like my, he's like my son. Although my son, mm-hmm. you know, kind of gets it now. He's, he's, he's wearing his Kyrie Irving jersey every night, as I chronicled uh, last week. Um, but look, you know, dynasty fans are going to troll us because they love their dynasties. It's understandable. Um, but I think, I think the biggest source for Cavs hate has to be Dan Gilbert. Um, well, uh, LeBron. There's a lot I, of people that hate LeBron as well. A lot of people hate LeBron, but I think more of it is Dan Gilbert, you know. Uh, you know, because people, the general perception, this is the first Cavs fan fallacy, is that, Gilbert, that Dan Gilbert and Cavs fans cross the line with LeBron. Uh, Dan Gilbert crossed the line of professionalism. Dan Gilbert crossed the line of, <laughs> of comporting yourself with dignity. Uh, he did not cross the line as a fan. That is exactly what a fan would say and should say if he's a true fan of his team. 
No, like that made me really exactly, happy when he did that. Oh, absolutely. And, he, and, and Taylor will always love him for that. I mean, Comic Sans, just, uh, I mean, the, the letter was just crazy. I mean, the, 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 the braggadocio, the, oh, yeah. the, 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 the promises. Ooh, I mean, all embarrassing. They've all like, felt Some people don't think they, they can go to heaven without having to die. I think that was the line in there. <laughs> Did you say that? Something like that. You know, people way over the top. People spun it into Dan Gilbert's acting like he owns LeBron. No, he was acting like a spurned fan, which, you know, if you're a real fan of a team, that is how you react, you know, emotionally. That's how you should react emotionally to a team, to a player who, you know, built up his identity around your city, right? And meant so much to your city and then leaves you. Yeah, in the fashion that he did, obviously. That's how a fan should react. That's how fans react. Yeah, no. Some fans burn jerseys. They act like everyone burned a jersey. How many, Matt, like burn jerseys? Like what, two Two guys burn jerseys? I saw one picture. I saw one. Uh, 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 I've heard guys getting rid of their jerseys, but most people, most Cavs fans did what you did, Matt. What did yeah. you do? I folded it up and put it in the back of my closet and just quietly hoped. Yeah. But did you hope? Did you really hope that he'd come back? I didn't even let myself think about it until you brought it up as a rumor like uh, last year. Part of me did. Yeah. Yeah, part of me just remembered the good times and wanted wanted to hold on to that too. I think. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, uh, uh, so I don't think there was any lines crossed LeBron. Like that's how those are how fans should react. Uh, the other uh, Cavs fan fallacy is that Cavs fans don't deserve a second chance with LeBron because Ferry, Danny Ferry, blew it the, the first time around to let him leave because he didn't, he didn't surround him with uh, surround him with enough talent, which we both call bullshit because we won like what sixty five fucking games each. You know, oh yeah, two series in a row, plus sixty plus games, two seasons in a row. We built a team around his talents, you know, it, it, and we ran into the buzzsaw of the HGH fueled like freak season of the two thousand nine Orlando, Orlando Magic. Uh, three, three three point shooting more than anything in that series. Yeah, yeah. That's Michael really Petrus. I saw this other day. Michael Petrus. Yeah. Is he in the NBA anymore? He shot forty eight percent on three pointers in that series. Forty eight percent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jesus. Halo Turkoglu fell off a cliff after that season. After that season, yeah. uh, Rashad Lewis fell off a cliff after that season. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, the next thing is that Grant blew it, uh, you know, and you can say that like he did draft, um, you know, Dion who didn't turn out well, and he did draft uh, um, uh, the Care Bear, as I like to call him, Anthony Bennett. Care Bear, Anthony Bennett. <laughs> uh, but he also drafted Kyrie when people are saying we should draft Derek Williams. Uh, he also drafted Tristan Thompson, who I cannot believe I'm saying this, Matt, is without question the right pick. Yeah. Over uh, uh, over anyone else, I think in that series. Um, well. Valanciunas, certainly over Valanciunas, what, who else? Was it uh, Drummond was the other guy? Well, that's it. They were, no, no, Drummond was, that was the, the, the Dion draft. Uh, the, Clay, Clay the other players Thompson from, we could have gotten, I think, right? Clay Thompson we could have gotten. Clay Thompson, um, I but believe no, Jimmy Butler was taken later in that draft, and I believe those, Kyrie, but, uh, Kawhi Leonard was also taken. Yeah, later Kawhi Leonard, that's true. Draft. But those are those guys that no one would have, we would have laughed at for taking them at four. Uh, so I think it was yeah. a solid pick to take TT at four. What he did, you know, you can't you can't criticize that pick no. anymore. I don't think. Agreed. Uh, uh, and um, and also, you know, uh, uh, we lost him, but uh, um, uh, Cody uh, Cody Zeller, uh, no, Cody Zeller, uh, Tyler. Tyler Zeller, Tyler, Tyler Zeller, who's better than his Very brother, Cody, uh, has turned out really well. So yeah, like Grant did what he did, and, and then there's the lottery luck, right? We won three, three number one picks <laughs> in, in four, four years. Yeah. You know, I get that, and I get, I get that. That's why a lot of people are angry, and I think I think that's the most sense. It's the most sensible position to be angry at the Cavs, but it's just 
it's just lottery balls. And, you know, they also were, you know, except for, I think, the Kyrie uh, year with Tristan, um, not great lotteries, not great drafts. The years no. we won those number one picks. Uh, well, we got the Wiggins. Was pretty good. We got Wiggins. Uh, yeah, Wiggins, but, you know, it's still early with that. Uh, but, you know, we just turned that on to, to, to get Kevin Love, and I think if we'd picked fourth in that, if we picked fifth in that, we probably would have been able to get Kevin Love still, uh, right. uh, you know, with, with that pick. So that didn't really, really help us. It just, it just, it just it made the trade that much more nerve-wracking, uh, winning that number one pick. So, uh, you know, and more importantly, like this team, you know, look, it, it, the Heat built their team through free agency. We built ours by getting LeBron coming back because, you know, we, that's what people underestimate. Just how destroyed this team was by what LeBron did uh, in 2010. I mean, there's no other team I can think of in the league that's ever had the deal. No other fan base has had the deal with that kind of heartbreak from their favorite son. No. What team has ever had to go through with that? And that, that doesn't get us any kind of sentimentality, any kind of, oh, man, they've been, they've been through a lot. They, they, they deserve this. It doesn't get you any credit. With it. There's, there's, no, <laughs> there's no currency there. And also, Pat, the the fans during that time that was so incredibly difficult continued to support the team. So yes. I'm I'm looking yes. at uh, I was looking at attendance figures earlier today oh, from thank that God period. You did. So I, I, did not, I did not I didn't have time to do this research. Thank God you did. So it's actually very easy on ESPN. They have I a, just didn't have time. You son of a bitch. Go ahead. <laughs> searchable, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so this year we sold out every single game. We had a hundred percent at home, right? Right. Um, and my internet's a little frozen right now, but um, so 2013, tough year for us. Yep. We were still 22nd in attendance. Mm -hmm. We sold out 79 percent of our seats at home. Above such teams as the Atlanta Hawks, who I know were in the playoffs that year. Yeah, and, and let me just the add Indiana, the Indiana Pacers. Oh, yeah, great basketball fans, great basketball town. Hoosiers, Hoosier country. You know, the, so it's – that was – those times were about as dark as they could get for us Cavs fans, still out supporting the team. Yeah, and that, but the, uh, this, this is why I wanted to bring this up, though, is because one of the, the, one of the complaints I've heard about Cavs fans – I heard this actually when I was in Atlanta listening to Atlanta Sports Radio right before the Eastern Conference Finals. This is from an Atlanta Sports Radio host. The Cavs are front runners. That's li Cavs fans are front runners. It was literally – the, what I've heard, and I've heard other places too. The idea is that we abandoned the team when LeBron left. We burned his jersey and only cheered for the team again when he returned, which yeah. is just all kinds of messed up and mixed up. Aside from Atlanta, like, I mean, are, are you kidding me? This the, really, you're going to talk about you know fans that that yeah, which the opposite of front runners where they don't show up when the team is good. Yeah, exactly. It was amazing how people showed up for that first game without LeBron. How many people show up for the LeBron game? How many people show up throughout that horrible, horrible first season without LeBron? Uh, and, and all through the lean years, uh, uh, you know, the, the Cavs fans—one you can't call us as front runners. We've cheered this team through some really awful basketball seasons. Um, uh, the, so the the last fallacy is not really a fallacy. This is probably the one thing that I think is actually spot on: is the Cavs fans are so defensive. We get so upset. This is a this is a common complaint on Cav, uh, on Twitter. Uh, the Cavs fans are really defensive. Get upset if you insult the team, but yeah, okay, yes, yeah. this is true. We are defensive, but you know what? We have gone 143 combined seasons without a championship. Cavs, Browns, Tribe, 143. No one else is even close. Mark Stein tweeted this out. Actually, it was like the next closest is Buffalo with like 101 because they only have two uh, two sports. Mm -hmm. I think right. 
Hey, what the fuck do you expect? Yeah. We don't deserve your shade. If you can't even pull for this kind of team, there was something wrong with your moral character. It's okay to hate on dudes, you know, like LeBron. It's okay to, you know, or, or some guy. It's also okay to root against the Cavs because you hate some guy who roots for the Cavs because he's an asshole. I, I get that. Fine. If you have that excuse, fine. If you really just can't stand LeBron, all right, fine. I get that. I've certainly, I certainly got really happy when the Mavs won and when the Spurs won last year. Uh, uh, you know, but, you know, aside from those excuses, you know, or, or if you're a Golden State fan, I love Golden State, fine. Aside from those excuses, you have to kind of feel good for Cleveland if they win this. You have to, you have to be pulling, some part of you has to be pulling for Cleveland to win this or else you're a bad person. I, there, there, I said it. Yeah, that's right. If you have a heart that beats, I think that's, you have that's to true. Yeah, the mind that thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, uh, that does it for our NBA Finals preview in this fourth episode of the Maddie and Patty podcast. Um, we'll be back uh, in between every game in the finals, I think. Right, Matt? Yeah, let's try it. Let's try it. Let's try this out. So we're going to try and increase the, the frequency uh, with the commensurate bottoming out and quality uh, <laughs> that comes with it because we'll have less time to prepare. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, it, it, it all begins Thursday, Matt. Um, our, yeah, and I, our, I will say, Pat, I'm, I don't want uh, uh, my prediction to, to cloud the fact I am incredibly excited for this. I'm ready for the heart attacks to start. Um, I'm super psyched. I really yeah. like this team. I like what they've done. I'll be going crazy for each that, and every game here. And, uh, you know, just a big shout out to, to uh, uh, our, our first listener, Ned Sackman, uh, who sent a, a nice email today sort of uh, outlining his, his optimism and enthusiasm for, for the chances the Cavs have. You know, by no means predicting we're going to win, by no means calling that shit, but just, just saying he really feels good about this team and the chances we've got. And that's what I'm going to say. I, I, I feel the same way. I think, yeah. I think uh, Golden State in six is, is, is probably the right uh, prediction. Uh, but crazy shit can happen. Crazy, I mean, crazy shit has crazier, crazier shit has already happened in this playoffs yeah. uh, for the Cavs. And uh, I love this team. I love every guy on it. And um, I can't wait to see what we can do. Now I'm looking forward to it, buddy. All righty, man. All right. So uh, that does it for us. Uh, until next time, this is Maddie and Patty saying, friendship. Uh, we're never gonna get this right. Maybe we have to get a new 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 tag out. Oh well. Eh. Eh, that's good. Yeah. See you, Maddie. (laughs) All right, buddy. Take care.